Hello, and a very Merry Christmas. Um, hopefully we bring you this podcast on Christmas Day. Uh, this is a special raw podcast with myself, Richard Minnear, and Phil Smith. Merry Christmas. Um, and this is a Team of the Decade Sunderland special. Um, we thought you'd bring you, we'd bring you a bit of festive cheer um, to look back over the last 10 years at Sunderland AFC and try not to surround ourselves too much with the current misery and plight around the club uh, and just reflect on some of the yeah, the best players from over the past decade or so. Um, we've been asking Sunderland fans to pick their best team uh, online uh, in, a, in a poll which will be on, on, the line, on our website which I would urge you to go and have a look at and we'll uh, go through some of the options then in just a couple of minutes and Phil's also been uh, delving into his own memories from the past 10 years or so and picking out his alternative 11. Um, Looking back, Phil, just a slight overview. It's been an incredible 10 years for Sunderland. It's probably had a little bit of everything from uh, yeah, the, the, the height of the Premier League days to the lows of currently 12th ahead of Boxing Day in League One. It's It's been incredible. You forget um, there's been more happening in this club in 10 years than a lot of clubs will experience in 100. Off the pitch, on the pitch... It's been genuinely ridiculous. There is no other no other word yeah, for just the the just baffling, exhilarating, exhausting, infuriating things that have happened. I think ultimately you have to say it's a decade of, of failure. Um yeah. when you look at financially the way the clubs drop through the leagues, it's it's it has been a decade of failure. And yet there are some bizarrely ridiculously positive memories that I think people remember forever the Derby wins incredible the League One uh, the, the League Cup <laughs> run to the final I've just got League One on my brain yeah, now we hope the the Czech trade final which I think right now doesn't feel as special because of what's come since but that was a, an unbelievable weekend one of the best weekends of my life by, by a distance so yeah a, a decade of real institutional failure frankly um but what also with these peace and moments of just sheer joy. Um, so yeah, it's bizarre. We look what, for, a, what a football club! What a football club! Like you say, it's never dull, like which is uh, which is good for us, I suppose. But we hope for a lot more positive heading <laughs> apart, in. From, apart from the standard of football. Well, which yeah, we can, yeah, but, is, yeah. Everything is else is. Yeah. <laughs> we hope for a far more positive. Um, what are we heading into? 20, 20s. Roaring 20s. 20s, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Um, so we'll kick off then with, with the Sunderland um, sort of fans, their kind of view over the last sort of the best players over the decade. We'll just go through some of the polls that we've been running and um, have a little chat. Um, Sunderland's best goalkeeper. Traditionally, Sunderland have done quite well, haven't they, in the goalkeeping my, sense? My lifetime, generally speaking, Aside from the championship been, season. Sunderland have been outstanding at recruiting goalkeepers. It's been the position they've generally been strongest. Two notable ex- exceptions being... Kelvin Davis, um, who it still annoys me now that Thomas Meyer was let go and <laughs> McGuire spent most of his budget on Kelvin Davis, but maybe one day I'll get over it. Um, <laughs> and then obviously the championship season, which. What a season. Camp Reuter. Camp Reuter and Steele. And Steele. Um, Sounds like a good detective agency, but not not so much a goalkeeping department. I still think they would have stayed up if uh, Manoni had stayed. But... Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah, and they didn't really make enough money off Manoni to. Justify that, yeah. to be honest. But yeah. So the options we had: uh, Jordan Pickford, Simon Mignolet, Vito Manone and Craig Gordon. And Sunderland fans have overwhelmingly, perhaps not unsurprisingly, gone with Jordan Pickford. More than half of the vote for Sunderland's best goalkeeper of the past decade. And what a talent he was! Um, sadly, Sunderland fans only really saw the best of him for about fifteen months here before he 
naturally um, got snapped up following relegation from the Premier League, moving to Everton in a big, big money deal. Um, and prior to his Sunderland debut, he had several loans, didn't he, out in the Football League, and he already had a hundred appearances, I think, under his, under his belt, in the league before making his Sunderland debut. But what a talent! Jordan Pickford is exceptional. Really exciting to watch him come through, even though it was a time when, to be honest, the, on the pitch it was up there with as bad as it got in the decade. Um, that season under Moyes was was a pretty painful one, coinciding with my arrival at the Echo. Um, Almost your three-year anniversary. Film. Yeah, coming up. What a three years! Eh? <laughs> now Pickford was Pickford was magnificent. Really, his his distribution was not really something I think we'd ever really seen at Sunderland before. So yeah. not for a lot of years great shot stopper such a big character as well which I think really marked him out for his age um, although controversially in my team I have gone for Simon Mignolet mm. only because I've no doubt if Pickford had been around much longer he would be head and shoulders above for me but for me Mignolet was exceptional for three seasons when Sunderland were a pretty decent side Yeah, and for me he was just an example of what Sunderland did not do anywhere near enough of in the Premier League picked up for £2 million from Belgium mm, yeah three years of exceptional service and then was sold on for a meaty profit yeah um, an example of good practice that we just didn't see so as brilliant as Pick- Pickford was and though I would argue Pickford was probably the best goalkeeper to feature for Sunderland for, for three years of, of outstanding service in a in a good side I've I've gone with Mignolet because you know when he came in Craig Goldman was the number one and Craig Goldman was an exceptional talent but obviously injuries got the better of him um, and I thought Mignolet was Mignolet was terrific really um, so yeah I've, I've shared him while acknowledging that, that Pickford was, was outstanding for that season very solid choice um, moving to right back um, we gave supports three three options um, we did try and include a couple from the current crop in this 11 um, so Phil Bardsley Luke O'Nine and Alan Hutton and fans have overwhelmingly gone for Phil Bardsley almost 9 out of 10 fans that took part in our poll voted for Phil Bardsley, who, to his credit, is still playing Premier League football now. Um, he's had a great career, hasn't he? Yeah, he it was a funny one because he was always a player who managers seemed to be eager to find a replacement for. He right. seemed to be someone who um, he was kind of your ultimate six, seven out of ten player every week. Yeah. And to be fair, I think a lot of time the discussions was that people felt an upgrade was needed if someone were to kick on, etc. But he was a part some big wins some big performances had his fair had his moments of controversy as well mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say but I think the the overwhelming vote from there reflects one if we're brutally honest it wasn't a position that someone had been particularly strong yeah. in over the decade <clears throat> but two the fact that Bardsley always always wore his heart on his sleeve put in some good performances over the years I actually think he played his best football for someone that left back to be honest he was right. a bit of a danger cutting inside but yeah, more than worthy, um, more than worthy of a place in this side. But I thought Alan Hutton, even though it was a six-month loan, I thought he was really looked a really, really good player in that time. Didn't go on to have the best careers, which really surprised me because I thought he was excellent when he was here. But yeah, Bardo's uh, plenty of very happy Bardo memories, so very, very happy to uh, to agree with everyone on that one. Uh, Luke O'Neill picked up just just over ten percent of the vote. Alan Hutton just two percent of the vote. Centre back was a bit more mixed. Um, Fans are probably memories are probably tarnished the last four or five years, I guess, when it comes to the centre backs. Um, we asked fans who were the best out of John Mensah, Wes Brown, John O'Shea, Eunice Cabal, and Levine Kone. Um, I was speaking to Gary Rowell this week for his column, and he said the best partnership for him 
uh, was Kabul and Kone of recent years, and that uh, Kabul was obviously got rid of far too, far too quickly. Um, although I think there were family issues around that as well, and they want to move back further south. Anyhow, fans have gone for John O'Shea and Eunice Kabul. What do you reckon? I I can't believe John Menzies hasn't been picked. He, I he, thought, he was um, third with twenty two. Yeah, uh, to me. I think John Menson may well have been the best footballer to wear a Sunderland shirt really? this decade. Yeah. Obviously, he had his injury problems, um, but he was just on his day outstanding. I loved watching him play. I thought he was a magnificent centre half. Um, yeah, he would be the first name, one of the first names on my team sheet. Eunice Kabul, I've also put in. I thought Eunice was uh, outstanding under Sam Allardyce. I don't think any of us will ever forget the sight of him. Bombing down the left wing, just gonna say that, yeah. getting ready to tee Stephen Fletcher up in the yeah, back post. Yeah, yeah. That was just one of the best <laughs> moments. Um, obviously, there felt like a slightly comedic element to that, but also it just went to show what a good footballer he was. Um, he was good centre half, but he had real ability, incredible um, power as well. Um, great player to watch when he was in that mood. And I think we everyone felt it was a mistake when he left to be fair it wasn't one of those that people kind of said in hindsight he should have stayed everyone was very concerned about that and the drop off in Coney's performance without Kabul was yeah. was absolutely stark and you know the influence he had on Lamine in those first six months when Lamine was fantastic on and off the pitch you got yeah, the sense yeah you did get the sense that he was a real leader for in that dressing room um, and so yeah that's why Kabul was a was was my pick well I, would, I mean I thought O'Shea was a real good servant um, and what I would always say is was he particularly great in those last couple of seasons probably not but it wasn't his fault that Sunderland were way too dependent on him at that stage in his career um, he should never have been had to play as many games as he did yeah. um, in both the Premier League relegation season and the Championship relegation season but he did it always showed always always try to do the right things a, pers- a, a man I've got a huge amount of respect for and one of the nicer moments for me of that really really difficult time was I was so pleased that he was able to get a really nice send off that last day that Wolves home game yeah. when obviously and it was his idea that he would come off and Barley Mumba would take yeah. the armband off him I thought that was really classy um, a, a measure of the man and it was really nice that he was able the mood had changed a little bit because of the takeover and people were a little bit more hopeful that, yeah. that John was able to get a nice send-off because one thing, he was a great servant to Sunderland and even if he wasn't always superb on the pitch that he was being asked to do things particularly in those last two years that yeah. should never ever have been required of him and um, yeah, it, one of, certainly one of the best servants of the decade without, without a shadow of a doubt and another huge influence off the pitch as well in that dressing room Um Left back's really interesting. Who's been Sunderland's best left back of the decade? This really split uh, Sunderland Echo readers. Uh, we put three options forward: Danny Rose, Marcus Alonso, and Kieran Richardson. And um, just Marcus Alonso nabbed it with forty percent of the vote. Um, would you agree with that, Phil? Yeah, yeah. I loved. Well, I mean, Danny Rose was 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 excellent. Um, and I think with both Danny Rose and Marcus Alonso, I think they're two players who may have been a surprise to the wider football world when they broke through to the extent they did at Tottenham and Chelsea absolutely no surprise to Sullivan fans because the quality they showed in their short loan spells here was, was immense both of them also I think showed a real affection for the region um, I know Danny's been back up since to watch games and what have you and 
that was part of the reason why they're still so popular now because I think they're really a lot of loan players just pass through yeah I think those two really embraced it um, and built a bit of a relationship with the fans coupled with the fact that they were undisputedly excellent footballers um, Mark, Mark, like I say Mark Alonso just shaded it for me um, because of his, his his quality on the ball really um, but you could you could go for either of those two and certainly two of the better additions some have made and really severely missed when they when they left and not signing Alonso has been shown up subsequently to be yeah. the shambolic decision that it was central <laughs> um, midfield um you might agree with this one as well, the Ann and V are on the not signing him. Um, Sunderland's best central midfielder of the decade. We put forward six options Jan and Via, Jan Kirchhoff, Lee Catamol, John Henderson, Seb Larson, and Steed Malbronk. And I think we were going to go with three, weren't we, from this? Um, so it was Jan and Via, Lee Catamol, and Jordan Henderson making up the midfield three. Um, would you agree with that? Is there enough mobility and legs in that midfield? So my three are Mvia. Henderson and Steve Mulbronk. Yeah. Um Jan and Via speaks for himself. Awesome footballer. Um the kind of technical quality that we probably haven't seen too much of in this decade. Um fairly unique character off the pitch as well, I think it's fair to say. Mm. Um <clears throat> I remember someone telling me a story of the day after someone had stayed up um under Big Sam Allardyce, the team going for their meal and Jan and Via turned up in a full Jermaine Defoe kit. <laughs> included football boots, um, which mm. perhaps summed up that he was something of a something of a unique character. Excellent footballer. Yeah, another one of those kind of sliding doors moments where a lot of momentum was lost. The decision not to bring him in it was understandable in in the in the small in the kind of the sense of yes, it would have been a lot of money for a player with what what was it six months left on his contract. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time. They spent almost double that on Didier and Dong, and on balance, looking, I think MV would have been significantly the better option. Another one of those moments that I think some of the fans will rue, um, but he, his place in this team is, is is absolutely undoubted. Jordan Henderson, even I thought he was excellent for Sunderland in the two seasons he was here, two of Sunderland's best seasons, well ever really, if yeah. you think about where they finished, certainly in in this century anyway. And what he's gone on to achieve in Liverpool and England, what an incredible ambassador for for the region. Um, and the way he carries himself, so impressive, someone we're all immensely proud of. And I think it's probably a toss-up after that between Katz and, and Mal Bronk. I had to go with Mal Bronk because I just have such happy memories of watching him play. What a brilliant footballer, such a low centre of gravity, um, always did something a little bit different. Um, and the thing about Mal Bronk is, and I think the reason he was so popular here is, Yes, he was a bit of a flair player, but he loved getting stuck in as well. He was a real grafter steed. Um, tended not to last 90 minutes too often, because yeah. I think he'd reached a certain stage in his career, but when he did play, he was wholehearted. And in that way, he was a, he was a brilliant Sunderland player. And look, Captain Moore speaks for himself. Um, didn't didn't quite make it into my 11 because of my affection for Steed, but um, you know, probably one, if not the biggest figure at Sunderland in the last 10 years would have to be Lee Catmore, wouldn't it? Um, and I'm I'm glad that he had that season last year where he was able to rebuild his relationship a little bit with the football club um, and go off in a leave on much better terms than he would have done um, because his contribution to to those highs that we talked about earlier were were significant and, and worthy of being remembered fondly. I think. 
and I think we all remember Jan Kirchhoff's debut for the club away at, uh, <laughs> yeah. away at Tottenham but he, he turned it around impressively and although he only lasted till the 70th yeah. minute every game he played a key role in that team that stayed up and again injuries and he was one of those what if he players was, he was unbelievable yeah. I mean his tactical awareness his positioning he made he made the game look so easy um, I remember watching him I can't remember exactly what was it the derby? Was it one-one, the one where um, Defoe scored and then St. James. Newcastle equalised quite late on? I think, but Kirchhoff was just on another planet. Um, his reading of the game, the way he swept up dangerous situations, he was he was awesome. Um, you could see why being quite comfortable in Pep Guardiola's squad at Bayern Munich because yeah, his yeah. ability-wise and his intelligence-wise, he was more than good enough. And but I guess there was a reason why someone picked him up for. What was really an outrageous fee in terms of relative to his abilities, um, but yeah, he's someone that little spell will be remembered uh, immensely fondly. To be fair, strikers now, and we've gone for a four-three-three formation. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, the best forwards, the options we gave were so a little bit of sort of strikers and wingers included in this, but Wabi Kazri, um, Aidan McGeady from the current crop. Well, well, not so current crop. Danny Welbeck, um, Cessinon, uh, Darren Bent. Asmo Jan, Jermaine Defoe, of course, and Josh Madger. And the three, if my maths are right, to make it. Um, Jermaine Defoe will come as no surprise. We're getting more than 80% of the vote. Um, Darren Bent and um, Stefan Sessinon. The only one I can't pronounce properly. What's your thoughts on those three? Yeah, they're the three I went with. Yeah, Bent was my first pick. I thought his all-round contributions and his level of consistency... Personally, I think it was probably better than Defoe's for the time he was here. Right. Um, but obviously, the the circumstances in which he left probably soured his his reputation up here a little bit. And of course, Defoe did that volley, um, <laughs> which will catapult him into well, that. That's a goal that will never be forgotten. And and so I can't quibble with his kind of first choice selection. And also, I think Jermaine was even aside from the football was just such a huge figure while he was here. Obviously everyone kind of remembers his relationship with Bradley Lowry and, and what a special thing that was to witness and, and for people to kind of feel a part of um, and he was just a he was a bit of an icon for especially for the younger generation as well which I think might sound a little trite but you know Sunderland has got a little bit of a battle on his hands to win the hearts and minds I think of yeah, the generations yeah. Yeah. who especially when they're at this level and Jermaine was such an iconic figure and, and someone that people looked up to so much um, and, and that was a, a huge part of his appeal and his contribution Sassignon was just a wonderful footballer and we've talked a lot about rubbish decisions on this podcast and <laughs> um, to Canio selling getting rid of shot of him was, was another one of those he was a he was a great player to watch and yeah remember his contributions very very fondly very exciting um, but again it's something they've had a habit in this decade of isolating and yeah. not being able to keep a hold of or um, get consistent performances from their flair players for one reason or another and Sessignon's another one of those who, who should have made a bigger contribution but for one reason or another didn't but more than worthy of his place in the eleven. Not a huge amount of votes for Josh Madger maybe the way he left the club but a huge talent wasn't he? Yeah d- definitely um, yeah I think they the level he was playing at and also the way he left I think that's still probably quite raw for, for everybody really yeah. um, but that shouldn't shouldn't undermine or 
changed the perception of how good he was when he was here. Um, probably the biggest purple patch really of the decade. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. If you think about the consistency with which he was scoring goals, other than maybe bent at the very start of the decade, um, he's one of those who we are going to be talking about Josh Madger as a top European football club playing well at some point in his career. As of yet, I'm not sure whether we'll feel really proud and fond of that, or whether it will feel a little bit, um, yeah. a little bit bitter. Um, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. But I always found Josh to be a really grounded, nice young man. I would. I've said it many times before, he should have had a, a new deal long before it was offered to him. Um, I would never begrudge him going and pursuing opportunities elsewhere, and I'm pleased to see it starting to succeed from him. Bordeaux, he was like, like I say, he was a wonderful player to watch. And he, whatever people say, and I can't speak for his agent or anything like that, he was a nice lad who would have stayed in different circumstances. So, um, and yeah, very fond memories of watching him kind of explode onto the scene. Another one that got away. Um, and just finally, just to recap the, the team of the decade, obviously you've got to have a manager of the decade as well. Um, and we asked fans um, to vote for three options. Big Sam, Gus Poye and Jack Ross. And the again, the overwhelming favourite <coughs> excuse me, amongst our readers and Sunland fans was Sam Aldice with 85% of the vote. Um, and if only Roy Hodgson hadn't lost that game, <laughs> he might have been here a little longer. Yeah, but what, I, what a spell. Yeah, and... <clears throat> Look, I, he he did exceptionally well. I do think he was able, in terms of his own reputation at Sunderland and amongst fans, I think him leaving when he did probably helped with that, to be yeah, fair, because yeah. he wasn't around to deal with the, the difficulties that followed. And I think everybody's now aware that there was some serious concerns behind the scenes about the budget and there was some friction starting to develop. We don't know how that would have played out going forward, to be fair. Him leaving when he did kind of meant that his last... An only contribution really was those last few games keeping the yeah. side up, which was an exceptional feat of management. Um, and I do, I do still have a, a big affection for Gus Boyer. Ended in terribly, really. Now was at that. I remember that Aston Villa game where he left, where obviously they were four 0 down at half time, whatever it was, and it was perfectly clear to everyone that you kind of thrown the towel in at that point. Yeah. Well, there were some great memories under Gus and some excellent football in patches. I think the best football I can remember in this decade will have been in admittedly small patches under Gus so still someone I have an affection for and I do think it's a shame the way his career has gone it it feels like the qualities he has to offer his passion and his very good coaching which plays from that era that some of them still rave about he doesn't seem to have been able to curb the other parts of his personality that have meant he seems to get into a a bit of a wrangle wherever he goes (laughs) Um, but still still real uh, still have a lot of affection um, and look, Jack Ross won a lot of football matches and yeah that one's still probably a little raw isn't it um, yeah Phil, but pa- yeah Phil Parkinson did not make the shortest yeah, um, but yeah I think I think history will be will be quite kind to Jack um, I certainly hope so um, and yeah it's I think it's fair for him to be on that list because he, he won a lot of games which is not something we've been able to say a lot very true I only ever met Gus Poye once I was Hartlepool United writer at the time and it was at the footy writers doing he came over and there was half a dozen footy writers from the North East and he obviously knew everybody else from the Sunland beat and he was like hello hello I do not know you hello hello <laughs> <laughs> and that was it that was the only conversation I've had but as I say uh, Big Sam the yeah, the clear winner there for Sunland, Sunland fans and that brings an end to our Sunland team of the decade Phil you've got an alternative 11 just I to am, finish yeah. off our yeah, special I'll, podcast I'll go, I'll go through it quickly but I had two criteria so they were either players who made a small but in my opinion hugely significant contribution 
all players who for whatever reason probably weren't quite good enough to be considered in the team of the decade but who I felt were worthy of recognition so I've got Vito in goal for that night at Old Trafford and also because Vito was a great character he probably wasn't quite at the level yeah, of yeah. the goalkeepers we discussed earlier but he was someone who really bought into Sunderland he was a lovely lovely fella and yeah very very special night um, at Old Trafford that he'll forever be remembered for right back you've got to get a mention in for big Santiago Virginia. <laughs> Forever will be remembered for that scarcely credible own goal at Southampton. Yeah. But I actually thought it was better than he was ever given credit for, and I still maintain that there aren't too many players in the world who have managed to flick the ball over Eden Hazard's <laughs> head and make him look, da- look daft as he did. Someone who I'll all rem- always remember fondly, so he makes it right back in my alternative team. First centre back, Neda Manua, for yeah. the most ridiculous goal Chelsea. of all time, um, coming just a couple of weeks after getting thumped by. Newcastle to go and play that way Chelsea and Fame to score a goal like that was um, <laughs> was unbelievable and then I've got a little bit of a, a partnership for my other centre back slot so I wanted to give a shout out to um, Valentin Roberge and Modibo Diakite who I think it's fair to say were two of the worst centre halves of the decade but did somehow and I still this day don't know how it happened managed to keep a clean sheet at Goodison Park in a game that someone won 1-0 and if you go back and look at that lineup at a place where some of them were historically really bad, yeah. that is still the most scarcely <laughs> credible result ever. So I wanted to give out those two a shout out for that remarkable <laughs> thing. And then left back, someone who I, I thought about putting in my team in the decade but didn't because he didn't play that much. But I thought Anthony Revier was absolutely class. Mm-hmm. I remember him signing and kind of thinking, um, you know, why you're a bit of a journeyman, a bit of a panic buy. I yeah. thought he was so good. Yeah. Um, he was a hell of a player, so giving him some recognition. My midfield three, Kirchhoff, for the reasons we discussed before, what a player. What a player. Steed's made it into this team as well, just because it's Steed, and it was great. <laughs> and then midfielder, my captain of my alternative side, and my favourite player of the decade by some distance, the mighty Bolo's ending. Oh, yeah. um, should never have been let go when he did. Great influence around the place. What a celebration. What a celebration. What a goal against Spurs. Probably my goal of the decade. Um, so I've given him a shout out because I thought he was one of the best figures we had at the club. Certainly my favourite player of the decade. And then my front three, Madge, who we've discussed, I wanted some recognition for because I don't think it should ever be forgotten how good he was. Yeah, and it's yeah. not his fault that the, yeah. uh, the club made an almighty spectacular mess of his contract situation. <laughs> Danny Welbeck because I think he, the season he was there on loan was some of my the best, highest quality performances and some of the most exciting football in patches I can remember as a Sunderland fan and he was a big part of it and it's such um, he's had a great career but you know, obviously injuries have curtailed his talent a little bit and I think that's a real shame yeah. um, because I thought he was such an exciting player to watch mobile, versatile even then you could see he was going to have a good career and then leading the line has to be G. There we go. The single, the single best moment <laughs> at Sunderland <laughs> in this decade. I've told you before, I was in the City end for that. My in-laws are Man City fan, so we went in the, in, in the away end for that infamous goal. What an, what an evening at the stadium it's, like that was. It's the moment of the decade. <laughs> the whole thing is just incredible. So the move starts with Matt Kilgallen's block with his backside that somehow falls into the path of Larson Larson packs in on the centre on the on the halfway line because he can't run anymore G's a yard offside but the linesman doesn't flag it sits Joe Hart down 
and then gets a big snog off uh, Sunderland <laughs> fan. Absolutely incredible. What a man. What a goal. Did you go for a manager or not? Um, no, I didn't. No. Because, yeah, they're all <laughs> much for much, much shall mostly. we say. Excellent. Thank you very much, Phil. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this special Raw podcast. Um, Happy New Year to all our listeners, and we'll be back in 2020.